Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. The Rebel Report from Super Talk Mississippi with Brian Scott Rippey and Colin Brister. Listen carefully. Listen. What's up on a Wednesday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thanksgiving Eve edition of the Rebel Report podcast. It's November 27th. I don't know if Thanksgiving Eve is... Uh, I don't know if that's a thing, but I just made it one. A uh, lot to get into today. We've got uh, Ole Miss plays basketball at 4 o'clock this afternoon against Penn State in the Barclays Center um, as a part of the – is that the NIT season tip-off? Yeah, preseason NIT. Yeah, uh, so NIT uh, preseason tip-off, uh, you know, one of the 11 billion uh, preseason co- – or not preseason, holiday basketball tournaments. Uh, it is, of course – Egg Bowl week, we got into a nauseating discussion on the radio show, um, so I guess we'll kind of carry that over, uh, talk about the game some, how the, I, 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 this whole thing is nauseating to me because this game continues to be just completely nationally irrelevant and the two schools seem to prefer it that way, but uh, either way, we'll get into that some, uh, we'll have coverage of all that at Super Talk Bet FM because I can't think of any other way I'd love to spend Thanksgiving than watching Saints Falcons on a cold computer screen outside while these two schools wet their pants on the grass. So, anyway, we'll get into that some. What's up? Not much, not much. It is, uh, it, it's back like the old days. You got five and six Mississippi State, four and seven Ole Miss. Somebody's trying to keep somebody out of Shreveport. A lot of people, like you said, want it this way. Yep. Uh, I, I I don't really particularly understand it, uh, but whatever. I you know, uh, the strategy of you know, you know, espionage and tearing each other down and tattletaling on each other to the big bad NCAA hasn't really worked out for you for the last half century. All right, I'm about I'm about to some people off here for just a second. What exactly did Ole Miss do to bring down Mississippi State, though? I was like okay. four years old, but they definitely had a role in the whole Cheryl thing. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, with the Cheryl stuff, absolutely. But but as of recently, like Ole Miss didn't, they weren't the ones that told the NCAA about the tutor. Uh, I mean, no, but I, I was more talking to that because each school in each side has a history of doing it over the last 25 years. Oh, when sure. you talk about the whole history of the rivalry, that's not very much time. That's still fairly recent. But again, I was four I was not potty trained, so I, I did. I didn't have any. Wait, uh, you weren't potty trained at four rip or whatever. You get what I'm saying? Maybe it wasn't four. Wasn't it before that? I don't know. 1990, whatever. Uh, I don't know. It was, they were dealing with it at Cheryl's like last few years. I don't know. Whatever. You, you get my point. I didn't have a microphone them. to drop hot takes on it. So anyway, this whole strategy of the last two decades of these two tattletaling on each other and being happy of being runts of the SEC hasn't worked. But by God, they're going to continue to try it. I wonder if those, you know somebody eventually will get smart enough and, and you know not do that anymore. I disagree. There's too many books to be written and five and seven seasons to uh, salvage. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the book writing has taken off. Um. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that game's tomorrow, six thirty kickoff. I think right. I need to make sure. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah six thirty. Uh, it is on ESPN. You've got Pat McAfee and the Thursday Night Crew calling. He's it. gotten so much better. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Pat McAfee's really talented in what he does, but, like, I mean, it, pretty much everything he does, but, like, you know, play-by-play takes time, and then you're stuck him in a booth after never really having done it before. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that wears many hats. I mean, he did stand-up comedy for a while. He did the Barstool thing and kind of opened up the Barstool Heartland office and did a bunch of stuff doing that. You know, now he's doing play-by-play stuff. He's done radio. Pretty much, I mean, you give the guy a little practice and uh, his personality and kind of wit shines through everything. He's really good at every, pretty much everything he does. Borky is convinced he's going to piss off some fan base, whatever fan base is losing the game. I don't necessarily see it that way. Oh, I do. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like I don't, the, the old curmudgeon guys that, that teams down 21 to 14 in the fourth, yeah. They're going to post all about that on that. But doesn't that guy get mad at any announcer anyway when his team's losing because he's saying he's biased? Like, maybe he's mad. Yeah, but there's going to be some, like, new school new school stuff from McAfee that's going to make him even more mad. Like, when he does, like, for the culture and, and the brand stuff, yeah, it's going to piss somebody off. I, yeah, maybe so. I just I don't necessarily see it more so than, like, anyone else already would. But maybe the high energy and the new, new style of doing things or unique style of doing things, maybe y'all are right. Um, which is a shame, but not that it matters. Nobody gives a like. Nobody cares what you know. Butthole dog sixty eight is saying on a message board. Um, but I, I enjoy McAfee's commentary. I don't listen to his podcast as much as I should. But uh, he, he's he's a high energy guy. He's got an infectious personality. I enjoy watching Pat McAfee kind of do pretty much anything. Uh, you know, he does his podcast in his radio show. You know, half the time he's just standing up, pacing around, like he doesn't sit down. He walks around with a headset on. Uh, High energy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so that'll be an interesting aspect of it. I obviously won't get to listen to that, but I'm, I'm, that might be something I go back and listen to just for the one-liners and quips about how everyone takes this thing too seriously. So looking forward to that. Do, do you have a beat headphone? Uh. You no, know, I actually do not. I never got into that. I mean, I'll have you like could, uh, you could get some of them and listen to the game on your computer. I, I will have Saints Falcons up on the computer. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I might. I don't know. I mean, that press box is outside, so it's hard to hear anyway through uh, all the ringing of the bells. That's what the beats are for. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have beats, but I probably should get some. But yeah, the normal headphones. Not not doing the trick in the forty six degree weather outside with a bunch of noisemakers clanging back and forth. So anyway, I guess I'll tell. I guess I will. What part of the what we'll dive into this high stakes matchup is I will borrow what Borky does on the radio show uh, every week, and that's two questions for each school. It's the same two questions. We'll obviously only do the Ole Miss side. If Ole Miss is going to win the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, they absolutely must do blank. Uh, outrush Mississippi State. There's really no much, no question about that. If Ole Miss can't get the ground game going, then I don't have a clue how they win the football game. Uh, so they've got to get more yards than Mississippi State on the ground. Uh, this is a really simplistic one, but uh, tackle Kylan Hill. I, I, I think. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think Ole Miss's path to winning this game is just daring Tommy Stevens or Schrader, whoever it is, and say, hey, you're going to have to beat us throwing the football. Because I, I don't think either one of them can do it, though. I'll give him credit. Stevens has become a little bit more of a plus runner uh, of the games I've seen of late. And uh, against, when he was healthy at the beginning of the year, he looked pretty good throwing the ball, and he looked pretty good against a hapless Arkansas team. But I still don't trust it. I imagine Stevens is going to start. I, I think if you and a lot of teams have done this. If you see, I've, from the I've watched probably four state games this year. I guess Tennessee, 
uh, parts of Abilene Christian while I was driving in maybe, a, I think, a piece of Arkansas. So maybe only that doesn't three. sound safe, Rip. Um, watch, listen, same thing. Um, it was more to have the, some kind of broadcast going in on hooked up to my Bluetooth. Either way, um, I think a lot of teams have done this because Kylan Hill in a few games has gotten swallowed up and not been very productive in what appears to be no fault of his own. Because I don't know if I've seen a back. He leads the SEC in rushing. He's had a phenomenal year. He's a great back. I'm not like discounting that. But to me, there's been times like he he more so than any other back where he takes the football and there's literally just nowhere to go. Because I think te- teams are keying on it so much they don't trust State's ability to throw the ball. Ole Miss obviously probably followed the same blueprint. But if Colin Hill's running for what, 175 and two touchdowns, Ole Miss probably didn't win. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, if Stevens, or if uh, Hill gets loose, I mean, that opens up so much else. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think containing uh, Colin Hill is certainly uh, plausible in, in one of the two ways that we're going to mention that Ole Miss wins the football game. I mean, uh, yeah, like if he goes crazy, then I'm not exactly sure how Ole Miss is going to overcome that. Yeah, and st- I think this is really going to fall heavily on the uh, defensive line because State's had some offensive line troubles this year. They've kind of shuffled around some guys with some injuries. They haven't been particularly good up front all, uh, for a lot of the year. So, I mean, if the defensive line can kind of establish a presence and establish the line of scrimmage early in a game, and, like, if they're in Ole Miss's ba- and in State's backfield early, I think that's going to be an incredibly good sign for Ole Miss. Um, whereas, obviously, if you kind of let Hill get going and then they can kind of complement an okay passing game. I know State's receivers aren't very good, but... If they can be competent enough passing, complimenting off Hill running the ball, Ole Miss is going to be in for a long, long night. Um, on the flip side of it, the second question is, if Ole Miss is going to win the game on on Thursday, they absolutely must, or they absolutely cannot do blank. Turn the football over more than two times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a fair one because, I mean, obviously a couple turnovers in a game like that, probably a difference in the game. I'm willing to say start slow, and I know that's a general one, but if you have a first quarter like Auburn or you have a first quarter like LSU where you go three and out, three and out, kind of a uh, something we've seen from Rich Rod early in games, uh, Missouri kind of comes to mind, although they did have the touchdown on the muff punt. But, like, if, if they struggle offensively early uh, and State gets up 7 nothing, 10 nothing, something like that, I, I, that's going to bode very poorly for Ole Miss. Whereas on the flip side, if Ole Miss starts fast, Plumlee busts a big one early and they get up 7 nothing, maybe 10, 14 nothing quick or something like that. State's been kind of known to be, like, hey, Dad's called them soft before, and I don't know if that's the right term. I'm not saying it's not, but it seems like they have a propensity to sometimes roll over when things get bad. Uh, yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Uh, now, whether they do that in a robbery game or not, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, I mean, there's been times this year where things didn't go well for Mississippi State, and it didn't look like an inspired effort was given after uh, things didn't go well. Well, that makes um, the start of this game even more crucial, does it not? Because, yeah. like, man, if you if, if Rich Rod does the thing, plumbly left, plumbly right, punt, you know, whatever State does, plumbly left, plumbly right, oh, here's a five-yard pass in the flats that plumbly throws three feet into the earth, um, and they punt again, like, State getting some momentum and getting some confidence, they seem a little bit fragile at times in that regard. You let them get rolling, and I think Ole Miss is toast. I think the start of this game, like, I, I know this sound, all this sounds dumb and cliched and, like, something you would hear on pretty much every other radio show or podcast in the state because it's such an easy talking point, but I think it's true. I think the start of this game is absolutely crucial. I think the first seven, eight minutes, first two draws for each team are absolutely crucial for how this game goes because it's two bad teams 
one's kind of fragile, one's kind of, like as we mentioned, I don't know how the the mental wherewithal of Mississippi State is this year. Uh, with Moorhead, like, things seem to be trending in the wrong direction, whereas I just don't think Ole Miss, particularly with the way they run offense, is equipped to to, to crawl out of a hole. Oh, I absolutely agree, yeah. I mean, Ole Miss isn't coming back from 14 down, in my opinion, uh, just the way they play football. So yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. If, if somebody's up ten to nothing, thirteen nothing, fourteen nothing, whatever, at the end of the first quarter, in the middle of the second quarter, I think that team's probably gonna walk out of there with a victory. I don't, I don't see either of these either, either of these offenses being quick strike enough to come out of a hole. I'm interested to see what the crowd's like because you've kind of had a day and age where people are not going to college football games. You've seen that trend really kind of highlighted this year across the board. Uh, I asked Haydad on Tuesday, I think, and he said he didn't think it was going to be a sellout. I, I didn't necessarily anticipate a sellout anyway, but I wonder what the crowd's like. Because, I mean, it is Thanksgiving. State and state has been kind of underwhelmed. Uh, well, kind of. They've been very underwhelmed with how this season has gone in the direction of their program. I, I, I'm curious to see what the crowd looks like. I, I know this is a rivalry game and all that. I'm not saying it won't be a good crowd. I'm just curious as to what the balance is. Like, how apathetic or disappointed it is versus them wanting to beat Ole Miss. Like, what is that? What is that? That those two balance. What does that equate to as far as the crowd number? Yeah, I think it'll be a really good crowd. I mean, it's the Egg Bowl. It's startable. Um, it's usually always packed and rowdy. Now, probably not a sellout, but I I, I anticipate that it's going to be pretty 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 packed and pretty hostile. Does Matt Corral play in this game? Yes. Uh, not enough, but I, I anticipate he will get snapped some point. I think I say no. I think Plumlee plays the entire game unless something really goes poorly. But he, he's not played an entire game, like except for when Corral was hurt, though. Yes, but last week against I, I LSU two weeks ago, I don't. I didn't understand why he was in the game at all. I get they needed to throw it a little bit. A&M, they were still flirting with the two-quarterback system. And Auburn, it was, he went in there because they just had to try something different because the offense was so putrid. I think if Ole Miss has any remote success, they're sticking with Plumlee the whole time. We'll see. I, I, I anticipate he gets a series or two, maybe like a two-minute drive at the end of the half, which, I mean, kind of seems disingenuous on their part. I mean, I, I, I don't get the rationale of putting him in the game, I guess would be my point. But, I, I mean, they continue to do it. So I anticipate that at some point that he'll get a snap or two. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Um, Ole Miss will have Scotty Phillips back for this game. Pretty much everyone that's injured is going to play Benito Jones. Cleared concussion protocol. Jalen Jones is out, I think. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. That is Jalen Jones. I actually didn't even notice him getting hurt. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see what that was. I don't think Matt Luke disclosed the injury. He is out. But pretty much everyone else is set to play. John Haynes is a little gimpy, but they said he'd be fine by Thursday. Ole Miss will be at full strength. I think the Phillips thing is important uh, just because Ole Miss being at full strength in the backfield. And I think, uh, obviously, the way Ole Miss's games, they kind of bludgeon state over the head, rushing the football. Obviously, a big part of that starts and finishes with Plumlee. But in between, Ole Miss has been effective at times this year, running Ely and Phillips, and then kind of putting Connor a little bit fresh at the end of games. You saw this early in the year a couple of times where they put Connor in a lot in the fourth quarter. He's fresh, and he just kind of barrels over guys to close out games. So Ole Miss having its full complement of running backs, I, I think, is certainly big in this game. Um, you know, 
I'm interested to see what kind of time of possession is in this game because there's Ole Miss as much as they run the ball. They haven't always been one to kind of dominate time of possession, which is kind of odd for for a run-heavy offense. But, like, the three and outs are going to be what's interesting in this game because if Ole Miss has a span of, you know, rapid-fire three quick three and outs and they all state to score a couple touchdowns, like the game might end right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look. It's a robbery game. If somebody jumps out and grabs all that momentum, then, then it's going to be really tough to come back. Um, well, I guess we'll make picks later in the show, but I think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to pick this because it's really just whoever gets off to a fast start is probably going to win the football game. Yeah, I mean, but to me, it comes down to do you, like to me because I, I I'm I'm banking on the fact, like I guess based off this pick, I'll go ahead and make mine now. I don't give it. I don't care. Uh, there are no rules on this show. I, I, I think, like, to me it comes down to, and Ole Miss has been good against the run against most teams pretty much all season, or good enough. It stands the Missouri game where they just really couldn't stop those two running backs. Was it Roundtree? And, yeah. and whoever the other kid was, uh, and just really couldn't get off the field because of it. So if they're decent enough against Kylan Hill, what's more likely, Plumlee runs wild or some combinations of Stevens and Schrader are able to throw all over the Ole Miss secondary with State's complement of receivers? And to me, it's more likely that Plumlee runs wild on a bad State run defense that's, I think, 10th in the SEC and probably like close to being they're either 10th or 11th, and they're close to dropping behind whatever team's behind them. I think it's Plumlee. So... Like, to me, last year it was very clear-cut. There was no way Ole Miss was moving the football on State's defense. That game was always going to be some kind of blowout with one team having very low scoring and that team being Ole Miss. I actually kind of like Ole Miss's chances in this game. I, I hesitate to make this pick because they haven't shown they can win a close game against a competent enough opponent yet, but I think I like Ole Miss 27-23. I'm going to take Ole Miss 28-17. Um. It's probably closer than that. I think Ole Miss maybe scores late to to put it away. Uh, I expect a close game, and I think Ole Miss just has a little bit more on offense to pull this out. Now, in saying that, if if Mississippi State rolls in there and wins thirty-one twenty-one or something, you won't. I I won't be any any sort of shocked by that. I mean, there's no result that you can tell me this game happens and and I'm stunned. Um. Yeah, I think Ole Miss going and rolling state would be pretty stunning. I don't know if, if, if you tell me Ole Miss gets up fourteen to nothing, and we do, and, and we just talk about Mississippi State being soft and laying down. I don't think I don't. Th- I, there, I'll say this: a two thousand sixteen Egg Bowl fifty six to twenty, where one team obviously just quit on the field, wouldn't shock. Yeah, I guess that's a good point as well. But like the, on the flip side, it would shock me less if State rolled Ole Miss. Because that's Kylan Hill running wild and Rich Rod having a Rich Rod game. Like, if, if I didn't watch that game and you told me State won, like, what, 35-15 or 35-10 or something, I'm like, oh, I know what happened there. Yeah, Kylan yeah, Hill ran wild that. and Rich Rod kind of does what he do- has done at times this year and been incredibly predictable and one-dimensional. Whereas on the other side, I'd have a hard time knowing what that looked like. But to your point, I guess it is, you know, State seems a little bit fragile. I believe this is the first Egg Bowl uh, I guess I've, been, I've only been making picks and doing this whole thing since 14. I believe this is the first game since 15 that I picked Ole Miss to win because I picked State in 16, 17, and 18. Obviously kind of went 2-1 and one there, but I, I, you know, I couldn't have really foreseen the Nick Fitzgerald injury in 17. But I believe this is the first Egg Bowl since 15 I've actually predicted Ole Miss to win. 
Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not been on the record picking games. Um, but, I mean, Ole Miss has been an underdog three years. No, no they were favorites favorite 16. They were a, somehow a 10-point favorite in 16 to me, which the way that team and defense was playing and the way like the, the Georgia Southern game ended was baffling to me. Yeah, and that's the thing about Vegas is they don't they don't like they don't take into account all of that stuff like the, the mental side of things. They just plug numbers into a computer and it spits out a line. Um, it was obvious if you were watching that Vanderbilt and A and M game towards the end of the year that team or yeah, I guess the Vanderbilt game really that team was not really locked in. Yeah, I remember Jeffrey Wright telling Chase maybe it was during that game or afterward or something. He's like. The state money line at plus like two eighty or three twenty or whatever it was was just absolutely stealing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It wasn't exactly. It was close for first half, and then it was not close. Yeah, but like Ole Miss could. It was close because Ole Miss hit a couple of big plays. Like they literally couldn't stop Fitzgerald and State. Like no. could could not get the punter on the field. So anyway, so I guess first time in forty years I picked Ole Miss. I did think they would win in fifteen. I thought, you know, Dak senior night and all that aside, I thought Ole Miss was a way better football team than State was that year. Um, so, yeah. Well, I didn't know how State was going to block Ole Miss that night. Yeah, and I, I didn't anticipate Ole Miss turning State over and jumping out the way they did. But at the same time, uh, yeah, so first time in three years Ole Miss, I picked Ole Miss to win an Egg Bowl, so that means State's probably winning. Uh, <laughs> if, if my picks are any indication. But, yeah. I don't know. I joke about this game being irrelevant and all of that. It will be kind of fascinating to watch play out because, in, all joking aside, this game is fairly consequential for both teams. I think it's more consequential for State because of kind of the unrest with their head coaching situation to where Ole Miss is kind of just in a holding pattern. If they lose 48 nothing, or they lose 29-28 or they win 30-28, like, it's still going to be the exact same thing next year to where the first – six games of next season are absolutely crucial to the long-term direction of the football program. That's not changing on Thursday night to whereas it seems to me there's more and more rumblings. I disagreed with you on Monday show, but there seems to be some sort of rumblings that if this goes really badly for State, a change, I guess, is possible. I don't think he's the coach of Mississippi State next year. I mean, that's just, I mean, a guess, but Rutgers is going to get back into this. I think if he loses on Thursday, he's not going to have the option to be coaching Mississippi State. Yeah, so this this does seem a little bit more consequential of a game for Mississippi State in, in that sense, just because, like I said, Ole Miss does seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern. Like, you know what who's going to be the head coach in 2020. Everything's going to pretty much be the same. Like, this isn't changing the quarterback attrition. This isn't really changing hardly anything. Um, now, that's say it's an important game for Ole Miss in the sense that if they win this, they're going to sell the living hell out of Plumlee and the freshmen and the running game and then finally getting over the top in a close game and then being right there and the results are coming next year and all that. And like, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I think that's probably rightfully so. I just think this game has more damaging consequences on either end for State this season. Yeah, um, I, I just I don't think that a uh, loss for Mississippi State is the worst case scenario, though. I mean, you, you, you get a new head coach, and frankly, you probably need one. No, but uh, sure, but that's still a more dramatic consequence of the game, whether it's bad or good. Yeah. Like, have, sure. a, a coaching change off of this game, which, I mean, Hey Dad was like, hey, don't frame this as a one-game thing, and then Richard was like, well, it kind of is, and he was like, yeah, I guess it is in some ways. Like, I'm not saying good or bad. That's still a more dramatic consequence than anything that will happen with Ole Miss win or loss. I wonder if there's a world where he wins this game and they fire him. Oh, zero shot. 
You don't think? No, they're back to a bowl, extending the bowl streak. Zero shot. He may leave on his own, but zero shot. At 6-6, six and six, he's no, no way. I don't think he's encouraged to come back, even if he does win. I think they want that cat out, however they can do it. That's fine, but they're not firing. They're not saying, hey, like, you're, you're axed. Here's your buyout at 6-6. Six and six. Maybe so. Missouri's going to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I was reading some stuff last night. That doesn't seem like close to a done deal at all. Man, they should do it because, good God, that team should have been 10-2 and two at worst. I mean, it's all irrelevant now. Well, I, I guess, but I do wonder if that's handled a little bit differently if they go 10-2. and two. Maybe. I think he's, I mean, he's already gotten kind of the vote of confidence or whatever. I think Barry Odom's probably back next year, given the full body of work. Um... But yeah, so anyway, it'll be an interesting game for for both sides. Like I said, like ir- irrelevancy aside. Um. So anyway, we'll have coverage of all that Thursday night Super Talk that FM. Um. I'll be there. A uh, couple stories and all of that. So, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, the after not winning for a road team, not winning for the better part of a decade, I think the road teams won the last four. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yep. Uh, which is kind of interesting in this series. So, anyway, that's about all the Egg Bowl preview I got. Uh, did you see where another interim in Oxford got hired yesterday? I we did. Gotta, we got to figure out a way to become interim. I did. I know. Now, I wonder if there was a national search conducted for the police chief and there was a search committee to find the best police chief. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know anything about that guy. I wish him luck. Uh, imagine that's a little different than the uh, head coaching and chancellor. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, me too. It's a trend here. Um, so, anyway, I'm sure he loved the police department. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go and, we'll dive into hoops next. Ole Miss plays today at 4 o'clock against Penn State in the Barclays Center. They got to practice, I saw, at the Nets practice facility yesterday, which is a phenomenal facility, it looks like, from the video that Kuffner and Ole Miss uh, put out from it. Uh, Penn State undefeated on the year. They're a team that finished at the bottom of the Big Ten last year, but they were a younger team that kind of, like Penn State and Illinois were two teams that kind of found themselves a little bit at the end of the Big Ten season last year. Uh, record for the whole body of work didn't necessarily show it, but won some games down the stretch. I think, uh, and Kermit said this earlier in the week, I don't think it's Coach B. Kurt, I think Penn State's good enough to be a top half of the uh, league in the Big Ten this year, and maybe top five, top six isn't necessarily out of the question, or top four, top five isn't out of the question. They have uh, they went on the road, they beat Georgetown by 15 and I believe their last game, they're coming off a two-point win over Yale, which that's a Yale team that's probably going to win the Ivy League. Yale was also up like 15 with like six minutes left, and they came back to win that game. They so. did. They did. They uh, It was like they were up 10. I say Yale's probably going to win the Ivy League. I'm pretty sure Harvard has a really good team as well this year, but Yale will be a pretty good Ivy League team this year. Um, Oof. Not looking good for the Rebels in Vegas. The line opened at a point, and it has now moved to Penn State minus two and a half. Really, I, mean, yeah, but that's, I mean, college basketball—that's essentially a pick 'em. Sure, uh, I just the line moving a point and a half is interesting. Yeah, but you do wonder how much action is actually being put on Penn State. Ole Miss at four o'clock, like, like I imagine one, one or two, like a few large bets could pretty swing that either way. Anyway, this would be an interesting game. Ole Miss needs to win out of this four-game stretch that they're now a game into. They need to. I mean, two and two would kind of be ideal here. Uh, not to get too far ahead, but they they play Butler 
when they come home from this two-game thing, and Butler just knocked off an undefeated Stanford team Stanford. last night and looked really good in the second half doing it. They got that McDermott kid back after he did the Paul Pierce and was taken in a wheelchair off the floor, came back in the game. They won that the game. Baldwin kid, the dog. Yeah, uh, Butler's got a pretty good team because that Stanford team is one of three or four Pac-12 teams that's actually going to make that league pretty good this year. Uh, but, yeah, Baldwin very good, McDermott very good. Butler's got a pretty good team. So this is a, this is a tough stretch for Ole Miss coming up. Um, the, you know, everyone was talking about, we'll get into it in a second, the Stephen F. Austin Duke final minute. The Stanford Butler final minute is what I had on my TV because I don't get ACC Network, and it was phenomenal. Uh, that was a that was a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, Baldwin just made shots down the end. That was, that was a heck of a game. So, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying Stanford's defense is really good. That dude just made plays. Um, yeah, Butler's a really good team, but, I mean, you've got – I mean, Oklahoma State's the favorite today against Syracuse. So, I mean, you, you've got some you've got some pretty good competition up there in Brooklyn too. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I was setting all of that up to say is like these two games are crucial for Ole Miss and Brooklyn because you've already dropped the first one out of this four game stretch. And could they go one and three and be fine? Yes, zero oh and four is still probably okay. But that would be an alarming sign if you go zero oh and four and one and three. You feel like you missed a couple opportunities as far as you know resume building or really just kind of feeling good about yourself after a quality win. Whereas today's a really important game because, I mean, if you lose, you're going to get Syracuse, and while they may not be very good, you've got the funky zone and all of that, and that game has a propensity to kind of, like, has a tendency to kind of get weird sometimes because they play such an unconventional style of defense. And you're playing them up there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is an important game for Ole Miss. I, I, I mean, it would, they need to come out and play well and kind of play a complete game and actually have something to show for it, whereas... You know, Memphis, they played well for about 20 to 25 minutes of that game, but they were a collection of stretches that I think equated to about 15 minutes that really just put them really behind the eight ball. So, you know, Shuler and Tyree definitely need to have better games than they had against Memphis, and Ole Miss needs to kind of fare better than they did in the front court. Granted, Penn State does not have a DJ Jeffries or a Precious Achua, but at the same time, the you know, you need C to stay out of foul trouble. They need a little bit more from Buffin. And I'm kind of interested to see how this thing plays out. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it, look, Penn State's a really good team. I know they've struggled in been Big Ten play recently. This feels like a, a, a Penn State team going to make the tournament. Oklahoma State's done a, done a pretty good job with their program. And Syracuse, is, I mean, they're still Syracuse. So, yeah, I feel like if Ole Miss can get out of here with one and one, it's probably, I'm not going to say a win, but you probably take it because you're going to be favored if you, when you come home against Butler. Um, so, and, and if anything, you know, two and two or above is, is, is certainly good enough for, for what you would have wanted going into this. Are they going to be favored against Butler? Well, Kempom says they win, so I would assume. Hmm. That'll be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, this is Ole Miss going 0 and 2 in this trip, and you're really in a hole coming back against home against Baylor. I mean, excuse me, against Butler. Obviously, either way, this is not life death. You're talking about December and late. Uh, November, early December games in college basketball, but at some point you would like Ole Miss, like if they're going to be an NCAA tournament team, seeing them put together a couple quality wins in the non-conference slate I think is important for as far as this team growing and kind of building a little bit of confidence because while there's a lot of familiar faces, there are also some new pieces. So um, I'm, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about there on Friday's show. I, I just now realized that because it's kind of a weird week, I went ahead and got all of Greg's picks. I guess we'll do the picks in a second and just do Wednesday thir- or Thursday. Because uh, I guess we can do Fridays on Friday show, but when I uh, 
We've got Greg uh, LB's Greg coming up here in a second, but he he's going to have them all through the weekend. But we'll do half of ours and kind of stagger it. Um, but yeah, so four o'clock tip off there, I believe, five Eastern. Um, I guess kind of bouncing around to a couple of other stories. Missouri got hammered, uh, or I say got hammered. Missouri's penalties were upheld by the NCAA yesterday from a uh, rogue tutor type of thing. So, um, so. Yeah, basically this showed that uh, if you cooperate with the NCAA, you're basically going to get screwed. Um, and I think this was ev- any kind of evidence you needed of that yesterday. Uh, I wasn't necessarily surprised by this. I know we had a uh, friend of mine, Peter Baugh, on the show back in October. If anyone listened to that and remembers, he said the athletic department felt pretty good about the uh, their chances of winning the appeal. It's one of those things I'm not doubting he's hearing that from people he's talking to around the athletic department, but I was sitting there thinking at the time, like, buddy, I can go ahead and tell you how that's going to go. Yeah, no, they're not going to give you a break. You're going to get screwed. You're going to get your bowl banned, and that's going to be it. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, everybody's football, 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 I get it. Uh, really sucks for their baseball team. Um, they're they're going to miss postseason over. It wasn't that serious of an allegation in baseball. Um, and what sucks is all of their kids are free range. Um, like they can leave and, and leave the program right now and go play wherever next season um, without sitting out a year. So yeah, it, it, it's just a crappy situation all the way around. Yeah, it is. And Missouri, if you remember, got screwed out of a bid last year, really just kind of by TCU being TCU um, last year and missed out on the postseason. And obviously this year can't go. Yeah, it just sucks. I mean, this we talk we. Every time one of these things happens on a radio show, we go through the exact same conversation, and then Richard brings up the point. I'm not knocking him. I, this is just the way, like, everything with regards to this and the reaction is always so predictable, is Richard says, well, what the hell is stopping uh, these schools from disbanding from the NCA and just saying this is stupid and going out on their own? Hey, Dad disagrees and says it's going to upset the apple cart, although that doesn't really hold up because these schools would actually make more money by going out on their own. And then everyone argues and everyone gets mad. And guess what? This happens again to some other school in five months and we go through the same thing. This just makes it very hard for me to take college athletics that seriously because this entire governing body is just a complete sham. I mean, I get disbanding from the NCAA, but you, you can't go do that on your own. Um, like, I mean, Missouri can't just wake up and say, you know what, we're not going to be in the NCAA. No, 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 no. The Richard's idea here is that all these sitting presidents, because these schools are the NCAA, just saying, you know what, to hell with this, and forming super oh, comms on their own. Yeah, I, I'm with him. It, it, it takes some guts. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, like, this is the way this conversation goes every time. And people yell and scream and say the NCAA is corrupt and everyone's like yeah that's great that's actually such a great nuance take the NCAA is corrupt I've never thought of that before and then we have the exact same thing happen six months later to some other middling program and we're back and back in the same cycle like I, I don't really have anything more to say about this again guess what this is going to happen to some other program in six months people are going to be outraged they're going to call the NCAA joke there's going to be a bunch of very original internet memes and we're going to do it all over again six months after that yeah, well, I do think Kansas basketball is going to get hammered, so at least the blue blood gets killed. I guess I would prefer to see no one get killed because this is well, not I stupid. That, I mean, yeah, if I had my druthers, but you know, um, it's been pretty hypocritical how they've done things with North Carolina getting off with you know not actually having classes and Missouri getting killed because of a tutor. Yeah, so like I mean, look, I mean, this is just another example. If you cooperate, you're going to get screwed. 
And that's why I didn't understand the Memphis strategy because they admitted to what they did and then decided to go like, hey, we're not cooperating. And also all that. That's going to work out double terribly for them. I know their whole media contingent patted them on the back and like said Memphis declared wars on the NCAA. I can tell you who's winning that war. Well, I mean, the war's over, I guess. I mean, they got him 12 games. Uh, no, no, no. It's far from over. To, I don't know if you saw Pat Forty's report, but they are planning to launch a wide-ranging NCAA investigation into Memphis's basketball program soon. Oh, well, don't tell them shit. Uh, yeah, well, it, anyway, I know who's going to win that. Once you're in the quicksand, you're not getting out. Well, I, I, I'll hold my – you, you start Memphis, messing with Memphis basketball, and you might, you might come up missing. You think Memphis is going to win this? I'm just saying that you start Memphis. Look, would you if, if an NCAA investigator rolled into Tuscaloosa, would he to investigate Alabama football? Would he feel safe? Memphis is not a blue blood in that sense, in my opinion. I mean, they got well. they got the Derrick Rose thing. They've, they've definitely not. Uh, I think Josh Pastor had some trouble there as well. If I'm not mistaken, maybe not. Like I, I don't see Memphis as a traditional blue blood. They're trying to protect. I think it's more likely that they get into this mess. And then, like, Penny Hardaway is like, hey, actually, to hell with this. I'm Penny Hardaway. I don't need this. I don't know where it would go from there, though. I mean, it's, he's all, he's been wanting to coach Memphis for forever and a day. Like, he basically formed a coup to get Tubby Smith out so he could get the job. Uh, I would be rich and be Penny Hardaway would be my next move. <laughs> you just sit on your couch and count money? You can, that guy can do whatever he wants. Yeah. What, why do you need the stress of coaching? I get that it's enjoyable for him that he wants to do it. But if the NCAA is going to come in and kind of rob the joy out of it for him, because I, I, Jeff Calkins, I believe, asked him a question a week ago if he was still having fun with this. And I know it seems like a basic and a bad question, but it's really not at all. And Penny said, yeah, but you talk about a year later when you're facing sanctions and maybe a show cause. I don't know if he's going to face any of that. I, I'm just saying, if it gets to that point, why does he need this? I mean, no, he, he doesn't. But I mean, it's his dream job. I mean... Like, obviously, look, these, these people that are, that are coaching in sports like that are extremely rich and have plenty of money. I get that. But they're wired a little bit differently than probably most people. I mean, they're not worried about how much money they have. They, they do this to, to feel a competitive edge that they have. So I agree, I, I but Penny's not the same cloth as a Frank Martin and Andy Kennedy or something like that. Like his, his route was a little bit different. Sure, like, those sure. guys, I think, when you're talking about is not about the money – or like you said, wired differently, where they're just kind of obsessive personalities that are obsessed with their craft, obsessed with their work, and have worked 25, 30 years to get to the job they have. Whereas Penny did just, not that it was handed to him, but like he didn't have to cut his teeth for as long, so does he really need this as much? I mean, that's, that's fair, but I, I just think some people get into this to fill a competitive edge that, that they've got. Speaking of Frank Martin, my man, I thought he had a full-time job for forever after he got to the Final Four of South Carolina. He is trying to lose his job. They stink again. Yeah, but I didn't figure that much would change. Like, I mean, they're kind of in a little bit of transition recruiting cycles-wise. Like, they were bad last year. I didn't, I don't, I didn't think that it would change very much this year. I figured they would struggle again. I don't know what they've got coming in next year, but like looking at their roster, I didn't figure that was going to change very much. This is going to be what? Three years in a row they missed the tournament, or two? Yeah, three years in a row they missed the tournament after going to the Final Four. Yeah, so, I mean, next year, I don't know what he's got recruiting-wise, but that's kind of a not make-it-or-break-it year, but they've got to, got to snap out of this funk. I think they're going to struggle again this year with Vanderbilt. Um, 
Kind of you know, A and M may be bad too. That's not a buzz. They lost a lot, but they may stink too. They did. That'll eventually get rolling. But yeah, they lost a lot. They've got a suspension deal going on with one of their guys. Um, they they dismissed him. Starks. Oh, I actually didn't see. It. I thought he was suspended indefinitely. Yeah, they announced yesterday he was done. So yeah. Um, so bottom half of the league will be pretty interesting. Uh, Stephen F. Austin beat Duke last night. Uh, I was wasn't able to watch the game because I don't have ACC Network. It was on Fox Sports Net, Brian. God. Oh, uh, my thing. My the, the ESPN app was telling me it was on ESPN uh, or ACC Network. Um, I lied to you. It was on Fox Sports Net. Oh, um, well, I wish I'd watched it, but the ending was pretty wild. Um, I thought it was a great call by that announcer, which I I, I looked up, and he's apparently the Hornets play by play announcer. Because usually uh, with games like that, you have really bad announcers. But that guy's the Hornets guy, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. I thought that was a great call the, uh, at the end the of the game. The kid that made the steal is from Morton, Mississippi. Really? Yeah, yeah, I found that out this morning. Huh. Well, Stephen F. Austin's built a pretty good program, but they went to the tournament in 09, 14, and 16, and I believe won a, game. they won a game in 14 and 16 each. Uh you know, Brad Underwood, I believe, is the guy that kind of built up Stephen yep. F. Austin, parlayed that into Oklahoma State, then after a contract situation, jumped straight to Illinois. But pretty good program there in the middle of nowhere in East Texas in Nagadochitz. But, uh, yeah, definitely the biggest win in their program history. Uh, but college basketball season has been kind of weird so far. You've had Evansville beat Duke. You had Virginia Tech, who was supposed to be the worst team in uh, the ACC, beat Michigan State. Um, you've had all kinds of weird stuff happen early this year. Um, yeah, and I don't really ever remember this happening to Duke. Like, I, I mean, Evansville being Kentucky, like, yeah, it's stunning. But Kentucky's lost games like that before. I don't recall somebody going into Cameron like this and beating Duke before. Well, just because they haven't. I mean, that snapped a streak of a hundred plus non-conference home wins. Cause oh, Jesus! I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, no, this hasn't happened in in. Like, almost a decade. Like it was a hundred. I don't have the exact stat, but it snapped a streak of a hundred something non straight non conference wins at home. But also, K doesn't really schedule a lot of like like if he's going to go play someone that's going to beat him in the non conference. That's either going to be on the road or the neutral site. He's not scheduling that in Cameron most times. Is it possible that Duke's not that good this year? Like that they're four or five seed. I don't know, man. Cassius Stanley's a pretty good player. Um, Trey Jones is what he is, though. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's too early to tell. It's November. These teams really start kind of taking shape about two weeks into their non-conference slate, in my opinion. I guess it's certainly possible, but I think they will be a top-two seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they just lost a lot of good players off that, that team last year. And like you said, Cash Finley's a hell of a player. Um, I just... You this know, is a more know, traditional Duke team, think, though. Like, last year was a bit of an anomaly where you've got three one-and-dones, and it's a kind of a Kentucky method. This is a much more traditional Duke team. Sure, sure. I just don't know if counting on Zach White uh, as much as they are is a recipe for success. Yeah, but at the same time, last year, like, that recipe didn't really work for him either. They regressed as a team over the course of last year. I, I think the, the floor was a bit too small to have both R.J. Barrett and um, Cam Reddish flanking Zion Williamson because you saw it the, from the beginning of the year. Those guys got out and run and transitioned a lot. They played well together to where Duke basically just became a half-court team to where it was Zion in the middle of the floor and everyone else was very stagnant. I thought that was one of Kay's worst coaching jobs. Um, you know, Maybe it wasn't all him. Barrett's looked really good with the Knicks. Cam Reddish has looked like an awful pick for Atlanta. But at, you know, still very early in that. I don't know. I just I didn't think last year's method necessarily worked for him. This 
So if they kind of get back to a more traditional Duke team, I'm I'm curious to see what that actually means from a results standpoint in March. Um, but yeah, that was a huge win. So it was 150 exactly straight non-conference home wins. So that's that was a uh, that was a hell of a finish. Uh, how that guy got loose like that in transition, like those two Duke defenders lunging at the ball instead of <coughs> instead of actually kind of protecting the basket, were, uh, or pro- I guess protecting getting back in transition defense was kind of astonishing to me. Um, he barely he got that. Didn't get it off. Yeah, I know he barely got it off. It was perfect timing. I thought the color guy brought up a good point, sort of. In the sense, he's like a lot of guys kind of pull up and take a jump shot there. He knew exactly how much time he had left. He knew the guy behind him probably wasn't going to catch him, although it was close as well. Laid it off the glass. It was a uh, that was a hell of a finish. That was uh, pretty cool to see. Um, but, I feel like there in that spot, you always just lay it up or dunk it or whatever, and just pray the time's left. Because if you pull up and take a jumper and miss it, I think you'd feel worse about yourself rather than if you went in and, and the time ran out and, you made a, and made the layup. Yeah, I mean, it's cliche to say, but it's kind of just having the mental clock in your head. Like, as a player, instinctually, like, you kind of have to know if you've got enough time or not. And the kid guessed right. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I, I, I would rather lay it up and not have enough time than miss a jump shot. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, some weird stuff happened this college basketball season so far. Um, the Maui games, I thought, have been pretty good for the most part. Michigan State is really just kind of, uh, really kind of in a funk right now. I mean, you, yo, that kid at Georgia is special. Yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, Wait, really? Over Wiseman? I, I think it's certainly possible, man. Look at that second half yesterday. He's ESPN's number two prospect. Do you know who was ESPN's number one prospect this time last year? Zion. No, R.J. Barrett. Zion oh. was three. Oh, it was one. Uh. R.J. Barrett, and then I think Cam Reddish was actually two, or maybe okay, it was I, I thought you said, uh, uh, whatever. I thought you said he was two. No, no, no. R.J. Barrett was one uh, at this coming into the year last year, and Zion was like three or four. Like it, it, it obviously changes as they get deeper into a season. So I don't think Wiseman's a uh, a done deal by any stretch. Edwards goes for thirty three in the second half yesterday and was just a completely dominant performance. I'm not sure how Georgia get well, good. Georgia will end up being as a team I, very early. Um, obviously, when you get a couple high-profile kids like that, it takes a while to incorporate them. Um, but that kid's going to be a nightmare to deal with in the ACC or SEC. Excuse me. Um, Michigan State's just kind of in a funk right now. They've got—I know Cassius Winston had that uh, that whole thing going with his brother passing away. They don't have Romeo Langford. I think they'll end up being okay, but they're not very good right now. That is for sure. Um. But, yeah, I don't know. It's been just kind of a weird college hoop season so far. I don't really know who's good yet and who's not. I do know the the team that's impressed most in Maui, Dayton looks like a second weekend tournament team. Oh, Dayton can play. Now, they're going to get popped tonight. Um, I guess this afternoon, actually. But, yeah, Dayton, Dayton's really good. I can't – I don't – no, he's coaching them now after Miller left, but but he's done a really good job with that program. No, it's uh, it's Anthony Grant from Alabama. That's right, it is yeah. Anthony Grant. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that kid's name that starts with an O. Uh, for them, but he is a uh, he is he is a hell of a player. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because we <laughs> butcher enough on the radio show. But um, so yeah, I don't know. I've watched a bunch of college hoops this week, and it's uh, it's been uh, it's been cool. I actually don't. I do, I I think Dayton will probably hang with Kansas pretty good. What the line on that is five? Is it really or four and a half? Actually, um, wow. 
Kansas is good, but I think Dayton is, is going to pretty much hold up against anyone. Um, you've got another one late night tonight that's going to be really good. Oregon and Seton Hall. Uh, Seton Hall is kind of some people's dark horses to make the Final Four this year, and you've got a really good Oregon team uh, with, what, Pritchard, a really good point guard. Uh, that is going to be one hell of a guard matchup. I'm kind of looking oh, forward no. to that. They're going to put Southern Miss and Gonzaga on the floor tonight. Yeah, that's going to be tough. What uh, Doc, what's his name, left Southern Miss, right? Yeah, Jay Labner's the coach there. He's a really good coach. Godspeed, buddy. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. I always like Feast Week. Um, it's going to be interesting. But seeing Miles Powell go up against Pritchard tonight in that Oregon-Seton Hall game is going to be uh, fascinating stuff. Anyway, um, we've got all uh, – is there anything else we missed? Well, do, do we need to pick the uh, NFL games for Thursday? That's right. We'll get to the picks. So what we'll do is we'll get to the LBs, pick them. LBs, University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. Uh, you'll hear what he, he's got some Thanksgiving stuff going on in a second. So we'll pick the Thursday games. I'll go ahead and give all of you guys Greg's picks early. He said he had two people come in the store last week and demand gambling picks. And then also there we, go. we weren't very good. Uh, so thanks. That's also factual. Yeah, that is factual, but I didn't need to hear it. So thanks to whoever that was. I really appreciate that. Um, but go see Craig, University Avenue across from Kroger, um, and go demand gambling locks and tell them we sent you. Uh, so we'll, what we'll do is we'll pick the Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday games. I'm going to go ahead and give you Greg's, and he's got all of them through the weekend, and then we'll come back and make the Thursday, I mean, the, the weekend picks on Friday show. Um, okay. So let's see here. I got it right here. Because i got to remember which ones I fed Greg as well. Mm, all right, here we go. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia's plus two and a half at home. Uh, Virginia. Yeah, I went there as well. Texas is minus ten at home against Texas Tech. Texas. I went Texas Tech. Missouri, Arkansas. Arkansas is plus 13 at home. Arkansas, but I hate myself. I just think Missouri will be kind of dead after this bowl ban announcement. Yeah, Missouri, but I'm not sure Arkansas could actually beat a deceased corpse by, uh, or stay within 13 of an actual deceased corpse. So Missouri, Memphis minus 11 at home against Cincinnati in a game that has a a ton of impact as far as group of five. Minus 11. That's what I said. I went Cincinnati. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, you know if Memphis wins again, these two teams literally play next week. Yeah, I know. Does Cincinnati have a quarterback out or something? I don't understand what's going on. Maybe they're resting, dude. I don't know. But Cincinnati, I, I, I don't know what would make No shot like they're that. resting, guys, though, right? Because you wouldn't want to play them again next week after a loss. That would seem very stupid. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think they are. That's just, that's not. Yeah, I'm Cincinnati. I, whatever, take the bait. Apple Cup, Washington, minus 7.5 against Washington State. Washington State. I believe I went that with Greg, too. If I'm contradicting myself, this is the one that counts. I'll go Washington State. Georgia, Georgia Tech. I picked Georgia Tech for absolutely no reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know. Georgia might be a little Plus 28. Yeah, I'll pick Georgia Tech. I forget which one. I forgot to do Tennessee Vanderbilt with Greg. We'll just do that as a bonus. 21 and a half Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, I agree on that as well. Ohio State, Michigan. I don't trust Michigan here. They're catching nine at home. Ohio State. This might be the best Ohio State team in the last decade. Yeah, 
Usually I would just be like, that's too many points, so obviously Michigan's covering, but I don't care. Ohio State's going to kill them. Yeah, no shot. Don't trust it. South Carolina plus 27 at home against Clemson. Clemson. I went South Carolina. Minnesota plus two and a half at home against Wisconsin. I think, I think Minnesota gives themselves a shot at the playoff next week. Don't think it happens, but I think they win this. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Minnesota, sure. Iron Bowl, minus four, Alabama on the road. This is a fascinating game to me. Not to me. I think Alabama wins like an ugly 21-6 game or something. Yeah, I think that Auburn defense is the best in the SEC. Definitely the best Alabama's faced this year. Uh, how does Mac Jones actually hold up against that? I'm going Alabama too, but I, I think there's a world where this gets weird. LSU A&M, LSU minus 17 at home. Borky's thinking this is going to be a 45 to 10 game because LSU's winning. I am as well. Uh, let's see. You remember last year there was like a fight at the end of the game? Yeah, no, I, I was. A guy got his pacemaker knocked out of place yeah. or something. Yeah, they will kill him. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with that line of thinking as well. Let me make sure I didn't miss it. Oh, Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma State plus thirteen at home against Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. I'm going to take Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's with a backup quarterback, but I don't think Oklahoma has been very impressive for the last month. I'll go Oklahoma State. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me make sure I'm not missing any here. I believe that's all we did. Yes. Oh, Florida, Florida State, Florida minus 18 at home. Uh, Florida State. I went Florida. I don't think Florida State's any good. Uh, We just went through all the college games. I don't know why I did that. Yeah, I was wondering. I wasn't going to say anything, but I was curious what we were doing. We'll hold off on the NFL for Friday so we have something to pick. We're just doing well, the Thursday. we, we got to pick the Thursday NFL game. That's what I'm saying. We're holding yeah. off on the Sunday slate. Uh, Bears, Lions, Detroit, the quarterback matchup we've all been waiting for. Driscoll against... Uh, Driscoll Mitch- might be out. Really? Yeah, they may be playing an undrafted rookie out of Purdue against the Bears defense. Yeah, whatever. Bears minus three and a half on the road, better yeah, defense. Kill kill, the Bears are going to kill them. Eight and three, Bills, six and a half point uh, road underdogs at the Cowboys. Bills. I actually like the Cowboys here. Bills are the most fraudulent eight and three team of all time. Um... Falcons Saints. Uh, Falcons I uh, minus six and a half in New Orleans on the road. I don't think the Saints lose twice to them. I don't think they lose, but you can talk me into it being a full point game. Uh, I'll take the Falcons. All right, so I just completely screwed up this pick and plan. We'll do the rest of the NFL games on Sunday. Might even reiterate college just for sits and giggles. I messed that up. Um, but I bet if you went back through like the college picks, we wouldn't know what we picked. Oh, 100%. That way we can't be if – if I pick it enough times between here twice and the radio show, I can't be wrong every time. So, technically, I'm, I'm undefeated. Um, so, anyway, so, yeah, I have ne- I have yet to lose a game this year. Um, so, anyway, did we miss anything? No, that's about it. All right, well, here, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to Greg's picks here, and that will end the show today. We'll be back at it for Mailbag Friday. It will be, obviously, plenty discussed. Ole Miss Hoops, the Egg Bowl – Football for the weekend, all kinds of stuff. Should be a packed Friday show. We will still take ma- mailbag questions. So while you're, uh, what you're going to need to do is, is while your family is sitting down, gathered around at the table eating, you're you need to stop them. Uh, maybe tap on a glass. Maybe break some kind of china. Something to get their attention and ask if anyone in your extended family has mailbag questions for this podcast. So uh, that is your challenge on how uh, Thanksgiving um, that. And maybe kind of pace yourselves and don't get too drunk around your family because that's always a bad uh, 
bad thing. But anyway, we'll be back at it on uh, Mailbag Friday. Appreciate you guys listening. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back at it on Friday. And we now welcome on LV's Greg. He is back with us after a couple weeks off. It is uh, Thanksgiving week. We've got some picks to make. We've got some games to get into. Uh, first, let's talk some meat, though. Do you, what do you guys have going on Thanksgiving week? Anything special? Um, uh, Thanksgiving's just kind of a slow, uh, slow week for us. A lot of kids are getting out of town, um, going back home, and parents are um, doing the same. So, uh, kind of a slow week around here. Uh, just doing just basic stuff like the uh i'm getting a couple turkeys in and some uh duck and some duck breast and some cornish game hen and some quail and some you know some uh some unique uh things for turkey yeah so I mean, thank you you probably just hit on it there a second but like is there anything people kind of prefer for this week obviously i imagine you guys don't just like sell gigantic turkeys like a grocery store do you yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's hard for us to compete in the turkey market because, you know, a butterball is a butterball, uh, a turkey is a turkey. It's uh, two different things comparing a prime ribeye to just a regular just uh, steak. So um, we, I, I do carry the free-range bird. Um, it's a good, an exclusive product from Joyce Farms. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, about an 18-, 20-pound bird, but it's just um, some people, I, I just have to order it. Uh, and not a lot of people want to pay $45 for, you know, an 18-pound bird whenever they can go to Kroger and get one for, you know, 15 because they sell them for like 75 cents a, a pound over there. So it's hard for us to compete. So we pick our battles, and, you know, Thanksgiving and uh, Turkey is kind of not one of our battles we, we fight. Is there, like, is there something you like to make for Thanksgiving? Like, turkey aside, just like anything others, like meat-wise, is there anything you prefer? Like, whether you're oh, selling it or not? I'm a big ham fan. Love the honey-baked ham. Yeah. Big th- fan of the honey-baked ham. That's, uh, always, uh, that's always a good go-to. Is there anyone, you, is there anything you notice people coming into your store for, like, non-turkey-related that they like for, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas? Um, I've had a couple people come in and get steaks just because they, um, just, you know, wanted to do something not traditional with the turkey because they didn't have, uh, the full family together so uh, i've had some people come in and get some fillets and some ribeyes but uh, i have a couple people getting uh standing uh, rib roast and uh, a couple beef tenderloins so there's a couple people that go outside the normal on the thanksgiving where's like this is probably a stupid question i don't really care though like where is the uh where do people like raise turkeys like it like where, is there a particular region of the country that's known for that uh I mean, I would think up north, you know, uh, because of the climate, maybe. But, I mean, all uh, our turkeys come from Joyce Farms, and they're based out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, um, I mean, it's uh, well, I'll have to do some research and uh, find out where the turkey hotbed is in the country. I wonder if they're a pain in the ass, like if they're a shitty pet. Like, I imagine taking care of chickens would kind of suck. I wonder what turkey's like. Uh, I mean, some, they kind of, I mean, you know, I would think they would be kind of mean sometimes because they know what what's coming for them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anything else going on in the store, just like this seasonal wise, like that you want to pump real quick? Uh, we always have that. Uh, we always have the six ounce uh, fillet special. Uh, it's ten dollars on Sunday, and it's twelve dollars every other day. Um, and nothing, oh, I mean, you know, LB speaks for itself. You know, everybody comes in and gets the good stuff, so and they know where the good stuff is. So that's, uh, uh, it sells itself. I had someone compliment one of your plate lunches the other day. Is that like a 
Is that something like you're kind of feeling, or is there a rotation? What is? How do you kind of come up with that? Well, this week's kind of slow, um, so I'm not cooking that much food. But uh, it just depends. Uh, I, like this week, I did a, a couple stuffed uh, pork chops with sausage. We got a bunch of half chickens on the on the plate lunch. Uh, hamburger steaks. Just uh, just a couple items just to get us by during the week. It's just so uh, so slow this week with it being Thanksgiving, and plus we're going to be closed. Uh, Thursday and Friday, so we'll open back up on Saturday. Uh, just because I, it's just hard for me to open back up on on Black Friday because everybody's eating leftovers and um, you know laying around and not wanting to do anything. So uh, that's what I'm going to do on Friday. So <laughs> I hear you. I uh, I hopefully will be doing the same after a pretty late night going this game. But I guess a good enough segue. Let's get into some picks. Uh, You've been hitting it pretty yeah, – so we all had one tough week like two weeks ago, and then you went back to uh, kicking our ass. So I guess you need to continue that trend. Have you had anyone in the – like I asked you last time, has anyone come in and demanded gambling picks from you? I actually had a guy, a couple guys come in. I think they Hell were LSU yes. fans. I know, honestly, I think they were LSU fans. And he's like, man, he's like, I listen to you all on the podcast. Man, those guys stink, but you're pretty decent. I was like, man, as long as it just sounds like we know what we're talking about, Thanks for listening. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Next thing you know, LBs will be an underground like sports book or casino or something. Oh. Man, I, uh, <laughs> I, I told my buddy that uh, he's not going to go to any more Ole Miss football games, but he ha- he's going to go in the Grove all the time. So I told him that we need to set up a Buffalo Wild Wings in the tent, like have like five TVs and take live bets. Uh, you know, during <laughs> during the Grove. That is a good idea. Do you? Uh, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Aren't you are you are you de- Detroit area? Did I make that up? No, I'm just a Detroit Tigers fan. But okay. no, I'm uh, no, I'm a Madison product. Uh, no, I've recently moved to Como, and uh, we've got a little friendsgiving uh, that we always do on Thursdays. Uh, um, so probably uh, play the quiet game in Como uh, this Thanksgiving. I hear you. You told me that. You told me you went to MRA back in the day. I think they just won the state championship. Yes, they did. They uh, snapped uh, Prep's like seven game streak of championships. But hell yeah, uh, JA didn't have one to snap. But that's neither here nor there. Oh. Yeah, ninety two, oh four, and nineteen are the state uh, football state championships now for MRA. That MAIS stuff is pretty competitive. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Let's get into some games. I'm going to save the Egg Bowl for last. So I'm going to jump into some Friday college games. And then we'll hit the NFL. Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is catching 10.5 on the road. Uh, I'm going to say this as Texas is not back. And uh, whatever, Ellinger probably needs to take a nap. Uh, I'm going to go Texas Tech here. Yeah, I agree. Arkansas, Missouri. This one's interesting to me because I know Missouri's been really terrible the last few weeks. But they're a 13-point road favorite to an Arkansas team. I know, like, people love to say, like, cliche, like, teams don't have a pulse. Arkansas is literally the closest thing to a corpse of a football team I think I've ever seen. Does this seem too low? Like, is this seems too good to be true. Yeah, I mean, you know, just uh, whenever you look at a line like this, it just uh, it just screams like, oh, Missouri's going to roll. Arkansas's bad. Arkansas is very bad, but, I mean, Missouri's, I mean, the Kelly Bryant thing hasn't worked out. Uh <laughs> I mean, I'll flip a coin on this. I'll take, I'll take Missouri. How about that? 
I'm going to go the same way just because taking Arkansas just did, I, I couldn't make that compute. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love betting on bad teams like Rutgers and Arkansas, <laughs> but, jeez, I've, I've, I've about had it with it. You need a little more juice than that. 13 seems a little slim to be rooting for that. Rutgers is fun when it's like 52 and a half and you're just praying they don't piss on themselves that badly. Um, yeah, and they jump out. It's like 42 to nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, it's like, how does that happen? Um, here's a good group of five when Cincinnati Memphis, that's going to have a lot of implications on who kind of gets that group of five spot in a new year's six ball. I imagine Boise state is watching this with much interest. Memphis is 11 point home favorite over Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is too good. I'm going to go Cincinnati here. Yeah. I don't think, uh, Memphis has actually played a decent defense like Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a solid defense and, um, you know, they kind of lean on you because most of their totals are right around 45 to 50 range. So um, that's just good signs of uh, ball control offense and defense. I say Cincinnati, I, I, I might go money line here. I'm, I, I mean, you know, uh, there's some, uh, you know, I know Norvell's never going to leave Memphis uh, no matter what uh, he does up there. So uh, I'm going to go to Cincinnati here for sure, and I might even put a unit on the money line. I like it. I like it. Uh Let's see, last Friday one we'll do Washington-Washington State, the Apple Cup. This game seems to have lost its luster uh, than maybe it had a couple couple years ago. Washington is a 7.5-point favorite at home against Washington State. Well, surely Washington wasn't looking ahead last week whenever they laid an egg against Colorado. Uh, and then Washington State had a, what was it, 54-53 with Oregon State? Um, I'm just going to take the better offense of the two. I don't think Jacob Easton has kind of nestled into Washington real well. Maybe he needs another another year to get get it right. But I'm going to go with uh, Washington State just because I like Mike Leach too. I uh, I like that one too. I skipped one that I think is at least somewhat interesting. Virginia's plus two and a half at home against Virginia Tech. Uh, weird line here because like Virginia came into the year ranked like pretty good team and now they have fallen because Virginia Tech's no good either and they're a road favorite so Virginia Tech minus two and a half on the road at Virginia. Yeah, I mean, oof, uh, kind of that's another coin flip on that one. Uh, Virginia Tech did pretty decent against Pittsburgh last week, shut them out. Um, again, Virginia Tech played. I think they played Liberty. I'm not 100. I, I think they put up like 60 points on you, Bruce. Um, should be a decent game. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go with the home. I'll do. I'll take uh, the Wahoos UVA. I think I agree again on that. Just, I don't trust Virginia Tech on the road, particularly favored. Um, let's see Saturday slate. I guess for the sake of it, just because I like the rivalry, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Georgia Tech's catching twenty eight at home. It's like one of these things. Can Georgia actually score twenty eight points? And Georgia Tech is also very bad. That transition from triple option to. Uh, a normal conventional offense is pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a lot of points for a, a rivalry game. I mean, you know, I know Georgia Tech's rebuilding with a new coach and trying to get a new scheme in there. And they've actually played decent ball here and there. Uh, you just don't know what Georgia's team's going to show up. I mean, they're kind of on cruise control, you know, in a, in a good spot. You know, all they got to do is get to the SEC championship game. So, I'm going to take the, uh, the the 28 points there uh, and see what Georgia can take and roll through with it. I think I'm going to go Georgia here just because I think, I don't know, that, that, that would no one would ever actually want to. This is like stay away central, it seems like. 
But like, if you if you made me bet it, I guess you'd go. Uh, well, stay away central from everybody else, but uh, yeah, we gotta get, <laughs> you got to get that right. Exactly. I guess I'll go Georgia here. I don't trust Georgia Tech. Um. <laughs> uh, Michigan, Ohio State, this is an interesting one. Michigan is getting nine at home. They've been kind of – Harbaugh does this every year. They lose some kind of devastating game early, maybe sometimes two. They kick the crap out of a bunch of terrible opponents. And then they usually lay an egg in this game. Nine's a lot of points, but this might be the best Ohio State team of the last, like, two decades. I'm not trusting Harbaugh here. I'll probably go Ohio State. Yeah, I've been fading Shea all, all year long. I had Indiana last week, and that was kind of a heartbreaker for me. Uh, yeah, I, 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 and plus I had Ohio State against Penn State, which is even worse. Um, man, uh, I, I, I don't trust Jim Harbaugh like you were saying, uh, and I definitely don't trust Shea Patterson. So, uh, But, yeah, we'll, we'll back the Buckeyes here to win by, I don't know, 14 or, well, yeah, two touchdowns for sure. That sounds good. South Carolina is catching 27 at home against Michigan. South Carolina's having a brutal year. Uh, they're staring four and eight in the face, if I'm not mistaken. Clemson has kicked the crap out of everyone the last few weeks because they kind of figured out style points matter uh, ever since they got put fifth in that first playoff rankings. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I guess home team in the rivalry game. I'll go South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, you know South Carolina has enough SEC athletes on the both sides of the ball that can compete with them at least two touchdowns. I mean, you, I, I can't, I can't not see um, you know South Carolina hanging in there for three quarters, you know, being down ten or going back and forth. But it's a lot of points at, at home, and I know Clemson's trying to prove a point to where they should be in the playoff and they should be either a one or a two seed. But if they play in a crap conference, they don't play anybody, so it's just it's hard to um, you know put your eggs on that basket, but. Maybe they make a statement, uh, but this week against South Carolina, which is an SEC opponent, but I don't, I don't see that being you know that uh, that wide of a margin. So I'm gonna go with South Carolina. This is an interesting one. Wisconsin is, pl- or excuse me, Minnesota is plus two and a half at home against Wisconsin. I, Minnesota, if they win this, they'll give themselves a puncher's chance at the playoff because I do think I don't think this is going to happen. But they'll get to the Big Ten title game, and if they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, I don't see how the committee would leave them out. Again, I don't think, I don't see that happening. But I do. I think I see themselves giving themselves a shot. I think I'll go Minnesota here. I think they win this. Yeah, uh, man, I, I, uh, I, I like Wisconsin here. I just uh, I feel like they'll. Uh, I think Minnesota has a decent decent offense. They kind of run like the spread offense and try to get you know points on the board. Wisconsin's just the complete opposite. They just want to lean on you. And I just don't think Minnesota's been leaned on that much uh, this year. So I'm going to let uh, let that uh, Taylor, that running back, lean on them, and uh, I'll take Wisconsin. LSU minus 17 at home against A&M. To me, there's a revenge factor here with last year's game. A&M, I think last week took a lot out of A&M. I'm probably going LSU. Seven overtimes. They've showed up for every game. I don't think A&M's that good. They played okay last week, but I think that took a lot out of them. I think LSU's going to roll here. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I just don't think LSU. LSU just seems like that team of, of destiny right now. I mean, not everybody goes into Alabama and beats them, especially the way they beat them. Uh, well, I can think of a Ole Miss Rebel team that did the same thing, but that was that, that never happened. But uh, allegedly, yeah. I like LSU to roll here. Game of the weekend, in my opinion, here 
even with the backup quarterback, and it kind of lost so much luster. Iron Bowl, Alabama-Auburn. Alabama needs to win this and probably win this fairly convincingly to make their case because this could very well be the last time they're on the field in a meaningful game when it is the last time to make a playoff case. They're minus four on the road at Auburn. Auburn's probably got the best defense in the college football, at least in the SEC, maybe college football. Rough offense there at home. Backup quarterback. I have no idea how this game's going to go. Like, not a clue. I'm fascinated to find out. I don't know how you go against Alabama here, I guess, because you don't get them at four-point favorites a lot, as Richard pointed out on the radio show. But can you trust Mac Jones? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here? Um, I... I, I like uh, I like to bet on coaches in this in this uh, in this situation. I'm going to take Saban over Malzahn all day long. I, I just uh, it doesn't matter who's uh, at quarterback. I mean Alabama will find a way to get it done and make those people on the committee look at them and be like, how can we not let Alabama in there because they bring so much revenue into the playoff and that's what uh, this BCS bowl committee is all about. How much how much bang can you get you know give for us then? Alabama brings the bang every time, and uh, so I, I can't see you know Alabama not winning by a touchdown, if not two touchdowns. I think I agree here. Uh, I think I'm going to go Alabama as well. But this is a game that like Gus loves to win. Whenever the heat's on him, he seems to pull one out of his ass, kind of like this. So I'll go. Well, how is the heat on him? Whenever he just signed the contract, I know the Arkansas job's available, but I mean, you know, like uh, is, is Auburn, you know, that. Uh, I don't know. They tried to buy. It's, it's crazy. I think he should go to Arkansas because he'd be way more appreciated there. But, I mean, he signed that great extension after they won those last two games in 17. And then they, the boosters were trying to come up with, like, what was that ridiculous number last year? It was like $36 million to buy him out of it already. I think he needs to go somewhere where he's more appreciated. I don't see that happening, though, necessarily, because I don't know why you'd want to take over Arkansas now. But... He just every time it seems like his uh, back's against the wall, he pulls off something. I don't think they're going to make a move anyway, though, because he's got a freshman quarterback. But uh, I think I agree with you, Alabama. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. See, there any other good ones? They don't really seem to be Florida. Florida State. Florida's minus eighteen at home. I don't really see Florida State competing that well. Do you? No, I mean uh, Florida State's on a uh, unplug and plug back in situation right now. They need to. Uh, yeah, they need to do something. I guess they need to hire Dion. That's what they need to do. I, that report cracks me up. I just <laughs> that would be so much fun to watch, like see watch play out. But I don't know how well that would go. Um, yeah, just really not anything else that compelling. You've got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I guess that's compelling enough. Oklahoma yep. State's catching thirteen at home. I think Oklahoma State is a backup quarterback. Oklahoma hasn't really been impressive in almost a month and a half. Yeah, Oklahoma's kind of uh, looks like Duke basketball right now. Just uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, um, I I like Oklahoma State here. I mean, I uh, it, uh, I like Gundy. I, I, you know, he's a uh, fiery coach, and uh, I just I kind of feel like uh, Oklahoma's coach is, is like one foot out the door. Like I feel like he is almost looking at the Cowboys' job. I think so too. I saw a report for Urban Meyer yesterday with the Cowboys. I don't really know how that would work. But, no. yeah, I, I don't see he, Irvin Meyer and Jerry Jones jiving as much as Lincoln Riley and Jerry Jones. But what do I know? Let's go to the NFL. You've got the quarterback matchup on Thanksgiving that everyone wanted to get. Jeff Driscoll, Mitch Trubisky, 11-30 game in Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, 
Detroit is catching three and a half here uh, against the Bears. Uh, can we, uh, let's see, like, uh, go into a food coma at, like, 11 o'clock and wake up at, like, 3? Yeah, like, what in the world? Like, how in the, I don't I mean, see... isn't Jeff, I think Jeff Driscoll got hurt, and I think they're down to their third string. I just, I, I don't, I don't see how you could get a lean on this either way. How do you bet on, like, Mitch Trubisky favored anywhere, particularly on the road? I mean, that, uh, I have David Montgomery on my fantasy, and literally, like every run that he's they've given him is not the proper call for him as a running back. It's like, um, it's just, um, yeah. I, I would recommend um, not watching. Maybe there's an English Premier League soccer matchup uh, uh, tomorrow that might uh, that might fancy your eyes better. Uh, I mean, it might be ten to seven. It might be seven to ten. I, I, I would take the under, and uh, I'll take the Bears. Same. I mean, I'll take the Bears. They got a good defense. Like, like the defense. Maybe the defense will score two times. Yeah, exactly. That's that's probably your best bet. This one's interesting to me because Buffalo may be the worst eight and three team in the history of the NFL. I mean, you look at their wins. They've beaten no one with the pulse. They've lost every game they played against a good team since the Tennessee Titans game. There's eight and three, and they're a six and a half point underdog at Dallas. Whew. Man, uh, this one will at least be interesting to watch. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, like you just said, how how did Buffalo get get to eight and three, and how are they even in the playoff picture? Is uh, is beyond shocking but uh i feel like the cowboys are going to get it together um on this I, I don't like the cowboys but i'll take them but uh just because i just i can't trust buffalo because i don't uh i don't think they're an eight three team and i don't think they're they're uh they're uh i mean i honestly this should be probably nine and a half maybe ten uh, on the spread i think yeah i agree I think I'm at Dallas here too. They always seem to get right against like badish teams at home. It's weird to say Buffalo's bad at eight and three, but you kind of get my point. Uh, nightcap on Thanksgiving: New Orleans, Atlanta. I hate this is the same time as the Egg Bowl. Even when these teams are bad, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I enjoy watching this rivalry because all my friends are Saints and Falcons fans, and they really just don't enjoy this game at all. Saints minus six and a half on the road. I thought Atlanta had kind of been found a little revolution there for a second, but then they lost to Jameis Winston last week. I think I'm going to go to the Saints. No way the Saints lose twice to this Falcons team. Yeah, you can definitely t- – uh, uh, Drew Brees definitely put a, a star on that last game because this his first game back, and, you know, Atlanta was play- was a bad team, so uh, and they laid an egg. So I think on, uh, 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 the Saints are back on track, and uh, you'll definitely see at least two touchdowns uh, uh, win here. New York Giants catching six and a half at home against Green Bay. I've seen this movie before. The Packers are good against bad teams, not so much against good teams. Give me the Packers. Yeah, I'm the same boat. I saw that. Uh, I was forced to watch the Giants game the other day, and that was, whew, man. Uh, yeah, make sure you have a half gallon in front of you if you want to watch that. Yeah, good, good lord. That that Giants uh, Bears game set football back whew. a while. Uh, here's another wild one. Uh, Panthers are ten point favorites at home against the Redskins. Redskins coming off a win against Detroit. Carolina just lost a really emotional game that probably just kind of ended their what playoff hopes they had left at New Orleans because their kicker stinks. Uh, I yeah again no idea what to make of this. I guess I'll go Carolina because Washington's no good. 
Yeah, I love betting on bad teams, and Washington is a very bad team. So give me Washington. Indianapolis at home against the Titans. Uh, really, actually, important AFC South game in a division that's kind of wide open. Has Tannehill actually sparked the Titans? Um, as a Titans fan, this is a game they always find a way to lose in terrible fashion. Uh, Indy is minus two and a half at home. I'm going to go Indy because I've seen this play out before. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, where's Marcus Mariota when you need him, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Titans are playing good. Derrick Henry's running the ball. Or is it Derrick Henry? Yeah, no, and they got a really good defense. And Tannehill's uh, played decent ball after after Mariota got benched. But, like, as a Titans fan in a game that you really need to get back in the division race, they always lose this in excruciating fashion. Okay, I'll take the Titans then. Sounds good. <laughs> there you go. There we go. You really talked me into that one. Dolphins are plus nine and a half at home against the Eagles. Eagles have got all kinds of problems. This feels like a lot of points, but like the Dolphins, I really don't know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis because they're bad and they're sometimes bow their neck and sometimes they don't. I, I guess the Eagles, I don't know. Well, I, I, aren't the Eagles down to their uh, practice squad wide receivers? Yes, but to be fair, their starters weren't any good anyway. Well, that's what that's that's what I'm saying. So uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, take the Dolphins here because they just uh, they're playing for their jobs, and I like a I like a football player playing for a job. I I like that. I, I just that, that's a that's a terrible game in general. Yeah, I mean, like I said, my problem with the NFL is how in the world is there any bad teams in the NFL? That's just that that's just mind blowing to me. Uh, Kansas City's minus nine and a half in a fairly important divisional game at home against Oakland. Oakland had a probably the worst loss of the weekend last weekend. Just kind of an inexplicable, really just got destroyed against the Jets. Um, yeah, that was the trap game of the century, man. I almost almost tweeted with, uh, at y'all about that. That uh, the Jets are kind of a little found a little something with Darnold. I I'm going to be crazy here. I'm going to go Oakland. I think the Chiefs are a mess outside of Patrick Mahomes. Like, even in that Monday night game two weeks ago, they just looked awful, and Phillip Rivers gave them the game. I don't think they're going to beat anyone by 9.5 with the way they're currently playing. I think Oakland bounces back here. I don't know if they win the game, but I think that's too many. Maybe that's a sucker bet. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, and I feel like Oakland was looking forward to the Kansas City matchup, but um, I'm going to take Kansas City here. I've... I think uh, that that loss to the Raiders hurt, and uh, sometimes uh, there's some teams that just can't recuperate from something like that. So I'm gonna go with uh, Mahomes here to put up like no, three or four touchdowns and win by win by ten. How about that? Jacksonville minus one at home against the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, the most exciting player in football. You don't know if he's gonna fumble, throw it to his team, throw it to the other team, throw it in the stands. Every time he drops back, it's really just one big drunken adventure. I love watching the Bucks. I think, I don't know, I mean, Jacksonville's looked horrible with Nick Foles back the last two weeks. I think I'm going to roll with Tampa here. They've won two in a row. Why not? Yeah, my fantasy, uh, my fantasy crab leg eating, uh, quarterback. He is, he's an, he's on a roll right now. I put, he's putting up so much points. I bet he's a my, fantasy monster. The, the, uh, my fantasy football team, the Combo Care Bears are on fire right now. And, uh, it's just strictly because of Jameis Winston and Mike Thomas actually helped out too, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the hot hand. Let's go with uh, the Buccaneers. 
I bet Jameis is a fantasy monster because those two receivers are great. In interception society, he's throwing for like 350 and four touchdowns a game. He just throws three picks with it. Oh yeah, it worked. It, it evens out for me. I, 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 that's why I work with it. I like it. I like it. Uh, th- oh God, here's here's a gross one. Cincinnati is three uh, three and a half point underdog at home against the Jets. Uh, Cincinnati's horrible. Jets seem like they found something. I'll ride with the Jets here. I'm going to go Cincinnati money line. They, Cincinnati will. They win this get game. the win this week. You heard it. This first is here. a guaranteed lock. Cincinnati will win this game. I, Sam Darnold's been making out with girls, getting drunk. He he thinks he's the king now. He's like Joe Namath out there. I saw that. Can you get mono twice? Is that a thing? I mean, you just can't randomly go kissing girls in New York City. You know how many people are in New York City? That's a good point. That is a good point. So Bengals, <laughs> Bengals get their first win this week. Greg says yes. it first. To the bank. Uh, Broncos plus three at home against the Chargers. Uh, again, another kind of a mess of a game. I don't know what to make of this. I'll go Broncos because Phillip Rivers is going to throw like four picks. Yeah, the memes of uh, Phillip Rivers on Twitter is great. <laughs> the, uh, the longest yard one, like, throw it to That's great. So I'll take San Diego. Pittsburgh with Devlin Duck Hodges, third-string quarterback, are plus two at home against the Browns. I think the Browns get their revenge this week. I think they're playing better football. Uh, the Steelers, I don't trust them, even though they've Tomlin's done a hell of a job with two just horrible quarterbacks. I think I'll go with the Browns here against my better judgment. Well, I follow Pat McAfee on Twitter, and he did that little calling of the Duck, and Duck Hodges is going to form the V, which means victory. I'm going to take Duck Hodges. And the Steelers. Houston plus three and a half at home the Sunday night game against New England. This is an interesting game to me because Houston, even when they win, feels like they underachieve. The Patriots against good teams really haven't worked out that great for them this year. They kind of won an ugly one against Philly, beat Dallas last week in another ugly one. I think I'm going to go Houston here. I think they need this game worse. Yeah. Uh, New England's just already in the playoffs, so. Um, Houston's lost some tough games this year, and they're a pretty decent team. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll ride with you on Houston on this Monday night game. Seattle's minus three at home against Minnesota. This is fascinating. Another chance for Kirk Cousins in a standalone game. He finally got it done against the uh, against the Cowboys, even though he wasn't uh, even though he wasn't particularly good. They ran the hell out of the ball. I'm not even sure how good Seattle is. They just win a lot of really close games. But I think I'm going to go with them here. I don't trust Vikings. Yeah, Seattle's tough at home. Uh, I'll take Seattle. I like them. I like the 12th man at home. That's the last one we had. I don't really know what's up. The matchup of the week, uh, you've got a noon game. Baltimore-San Francisco has gone offline, as have Rams-Cardinals. So keep an eye on that. Some funny business going on there. Uh, I'll have to get your picks from those two if it, uh, they ever go back up online. But uh, that was it. We'll have uh, college football seasons uh, kind of winding down, but we'll do some ball stuff and continue to do some NFL picks as you guys get off rich off Greg's picks. But, uh, Greg, I appreciate you joining us again. Thanks for sponsoring the show. Um, have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll hear, hit you back next week. But go see Greg. You, you open up Saturday, right? Yeah, I'm going to close Thursday and Friday, and then I'll open back up on Saturday. Uh, we'll do normal hours, uh, probably 10 to 6 on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, just get back in the swing of things. Uh, Thanksgiving is really a kind of a weird week for us. Uh, we're going to get back on track on Saturday and 
get a fresh truck on Monday and be good to go. You heard the man. Go see him. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. Greg, I appreciate you hanging out with us again. We'll be back soon. Appreciate it, man. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. And that was LB's Greg. Greg the Gambling uh, Meat Sharp. Uh, so take Greg's picks. Go get rich this weekend. Maybe pay for all of your Thanksgiving. Pay for your turkey with uh, Greg's Gambling Lock. So appreciate you guys listening. If you've made it this far in the podcast, I do have a little bit of an announcement. We have changes coming to the Rebel Report podcast. Uh, we'll have an announcement on Friday. Uh, that's about all I'm going to disclose about it right now. Uh, nothing's really going to change for you. We'll still do the show Monday, Wednesday, Friday each week. But uh, we've got some... Uh, We've got an announcement on Friday that I will get to then, but nothing really bad, just uh, kind of the way things go sometimes, but uh, nothing's changing for you. We'll still have the show every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Just uh, got some big things planned for it, so everything good on uh, your end on that sense, but be sure to tune in Friday because we do have an announcement and we've got some minor changes coming, but hope everyone has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Send me your mailbag questions. Hammer your relatives for mailbag questions. That way we'll just have a leftover feast party on Mailbag Friday. Y'all have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.